And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT, good to have you today. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, brought to you by Golden Entertainment. They own the Stratosphere Arizona Charlie, 64-plus locations with all the PTs. PTs Gold, Sierra Gold, the SG Bar, Sean Patrick's, all the establishments you know and see on every corner here in this town, and they are hosting various NFL draft parties throughout the Valley this weekend. Head on in for happy hour during the NFL draft. It's the perfect storm, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. You could be there live during the draft during happy hour prices, Drinking, eating, having a great time, gaming, hanging out with all your buddies. PTs fuels the monologue here as we always open up the show. So what do you got? I just tweeted it out at JT the Brick. You are on the clock today, Raider Nation. Tomorrow, I'll be live inside the Raider facility in Henderson with Lincoln Kennedy and Eric Allen. And we'll be on from 3 to 5 p.m. 3 to 5 p.m. inside the Raider facility, not too far from the war room and we're ready for that. Then we'll be on immediately after the draft from 9 to 10 o'clock p.m. We'll do a recap of the first round with the crew, and then I go on from 10 to midnight on Sirius XM. So tomorrow is my longest day of the year as I'll be on television at 6 o'clock in the morning, 6 a.m. waking up with the Wagners, Dana and Kim Wagner, to preview the draft, and then we'll go on straight till midnight Pacific time with the recap of the draft. So... I'm ready to roll. Didn't think so Sunday, but I am ready. I am all fueled up with tea and honey and Ricola, and I'm excited to be here. Always a great honor to be a part of the Raider draft coverage. That's how I made my bones with the silver and black starting in 1998 on the pre- and post-game show and the opportunities I've had to be a part of the radio coverage. I really take pride in it. I love it. I love guessing and figuring out what the Raiders are going to do. We love talking to Coach Gruden, Mike Mayock afterwards, and it's usually memorable. The Raiders have had some great draft picks. Ken Herrock is going to join us later on in the show, one of the great personnel minds in Raider history. He'll join us at the bottom of the hour. Also, Jim Mora Jr., former head coach of UCLA and the Atlanta Falcons. He's scheduled to join us today, along with Brian Billick, Super Bowl champion head coach of the Baltimore Ravens from NFL Network. And just got this news today, top of the hour, Pete Rose, the all-time hit king, who's now going to be a regular on this show. Pete's going to join us and call in with this Kentucky Derby pick. Let that sink in for a second. Because even before I started with the Raiders, I started with Pete Rose in 1997 at the MGM Grand Sportsbook when he couldn't keep his eyes off horse racing. So Pete Rose, believe me, knows horse racing better than 98% of the people on the planet because he bets horse racing every day. So he's going to come in with a Kentucky Derby pick. Don't be scared. Pete's allowed to pick games. He's 80 years old. A bunch of people in this town are freaking out that Pete is involved with some picks. We'll have Pete coming up here at the top of the hour. So what I'd like to accomplish today is we're giving away some $50 Grimaldi gift cards if you get the exact pick right. In Las Vegas, got to be a Vegas caller. The 17th pick overall. Nail the pick for me. Nail the pick. 
you've had plenty of time, especially if you've been listening to our show. We've been pretty much the draft for over a month leading up to this in the broadcast tomorrow, again with Eric Allen and Lincoln Kennedy. And it's going to be unique to be in the room because Eric Allen is a great defensive back. He was a semifinalist for the Hall of Fame this year. Lincoln Kennedy is a great right tackle, fantastic third overall pick in the draft, remember. Taken third overall. So he knows what it's like to be the first tackle off the board. And Lincoln will have strong opinions tomorrow of the tackles and offensive linemen who are available and ready to roll. And then we just want to hear what Raider fans think in general about the heartbeat of this draft and what you think the Raiders can do. Because I've said this for a month. I think by trading up and getting the player that they want, I mean, the Niners The Niners moved up from 12 and gave up several picks, including first-rounders, to get to the third pick, to maybe take a quarterback in Trey Lance, who's a project. If Mike Mayock and John Gruden give up a first-round pick or a second-round pick next year, who cares? If you want to win now, you weren't even in the stadium last year, unfortunately, due to COVID. I think it's a priority to get this pick right instead of developing another player and developing another player like Trayvon Mullen or you know, Damon Ornett or Cleveland Farrell, who are good players. You know, I've been on a bunch of other radio shows here this week, which I tend to do, and I'm on two tomorrow, and they ask me, JT, who are the Raiders going to pick? And normally I say, I don't know. It's between two or three players, I think. And then what they do is these radio shows ask me, well, what the hell's going on with the Raiders over the last couple of years with who they picked? And the one thing I say defending the Raiders, which I always do, is that those guys are still on the roster. We know how good Josh Jacobs is. We know the upside of Cleveland Farrell. Maybe you don't think there's a lot of upside. I do. I mean, he is a man-child. He's a beast. And he put on more weight and more strength. And he could develop into a great player. He's a great player in college, a great player at Clemson, and a national champion. Henry Ruggs. I'm not down on Ruggs. I think Ruggs being healthy and getting more touches could be a breakout player this year. So I like him. And then I'm trying to figure out what's going to happen with Jonathan Abram, who I've never been high on as a player, but I think he could be a great Raider because he's tough as nails and he's got the moxie and bravado to be a very good player. But he's on the clock right now. I mean, Jonathan Abram didn't play year one other than 30 minutes, and last year he played, but he didn't play a lot and he got burned a lot. So they might have to take a safety early in this draft. So those players are still on the roster. And I think those players have an opportunity under Gus Bradley to be in a position to be much improved. And I think we'd all agree. I wasn't down. I never was down. I'm never down on Dennis Allen. He turned out to be a great defensive coordinator. He was the head coach. I was never down on Paul Gunther. Knew him. Knew how hard he grinded. Knew his system. But look, he's gone. Everybody's not on board with him anymore. He got let go. Now it's Gus Bradley. And I think Gus Bradley is an upgrade from Paul Gunther because he's been a head coach and he's been in better situations. And I'm in with Gus. I'm on the bus with Gus, hoping that he could coach up these players because one good thing about Gus Bradley is he's got a lot of players that he hasn't coached before. With the coaches that he brought over from Los Angeles to Chargers, who I think are better coaches on the back end of the secondary than the Raiders had in the past. So one or two of the players that the Raiders have on the roster can pop. And also, I think Gus is going to get more out of Corey Littleton, Nick Witkowski, and Nicholas Morrow. And I think that Gus is going to want to get a defensive player in the first round. 
and that's where I begin the show. I begin with you with your pick. I want the pick right now. I don't want to wait. I want the exact pick. I want everybody from the black hole all the way to the upper deck at Allegiant to give me the pick. Let's not mess around. Pack show today. Who are the Raiders picking at 17? 702-365-9200 as we begin the show. So I tweeted out earlier today. Here's how I see it. This is what I believe the Raiders will do in the first round. Take Micah Parsons, the linebacker out of Penn State, if he drops to the Raiders. The problem is he might be gone by number 11 to the New York Giants or by number 12 to the Philadelphia Eagles, depending if Philly stays in that spot. So I think Mike, Micah Parsons is the pick. That's the pick I'm putting my name on. Just like I told you, Yannick Ngakwe would be here a year ago, and I got that right. So my pick for the Raiders in the first round at number 17 is Micah Parsons falling to 17, the linebacker out of Penn State. If he is selected there, I think the Raiders have a linebacker for the next five, six, seven years who could develop into one of the best run stoppers and one of the best tacklers in the league and to be that new alpha coming out of the locker room that the Raiders need at the linebacker position. And he instantly starts, and he's the best linebacker they have. All due respect to Littleton and Kwiatkowski, they're not the player that Micah Parsons is, period. So that's my pick at number 17. If he is gone, Christian Derrishaw, the offensive lineman, who I also believe will probably be gone, is the pick. So I'm hoping that Parsons or Darishaw fall to number 17, and that is the pick for the Raiders. My backup plan is Tevin Jenkins, the offensive lineman out of Oklahoma State. He is just a road grader, a beast, a day one starter. He's strong. He's Richie Incognito on the outside, just as angry, just as big, just as violent. He will be a first-day starter, and the offensive line will be set. And then finally, if he's not available, Owasu Koromoa, the linebacker out of Notre Dame, I think will be available if Micah Parsons is gone. And I think Owasu Koromoa, the linebacker out of Notre Dame, checks every box. You can just drop him on the field. And he feels like a strong safety who's a better linebacker. And he's just probably the best defensive player project that the Raiders had in years. So I'll go with Micah Parsons. As the pick, and if it changed, I gave you the players who I think will be there, there, and that's what I think happens in the first round for the Raiders. Am I guaranteeing everything? No, I'm not guaranteeing you anything. But I'd be really disappointed if they didn't get Micah Parsons. Could they trade up and get him and go from 17 to 11 and switch with the Giants and get Parsons? Possibly. If they do that and if they lose a second-round pick or two seconds, I can live with that all day long. But I, I think they're probably going to go right tackle because Parsons will be gone. But i got to make up my mind. It's taken me a long time to do this. So I think Micah Parsons, the linebacker, is the best pick for the Raiders. I hope he's available and there will be no complaints there. If this team can nail Parsons and get him, along with Yannick Ngakwe, and all the defensive tackles that they were able to bring in in the offseason, I think this defense is vastly improved. And we're talking about a team that's also going to get a free safety in the second or third round to develop and maybe still a veteran at that position when it comes to cutdowns. So I'm really excited about this pick. I think if the Raiders 
uh, step out on a limb and get Parsons. Character issues in the past, dating back to high school, yes. But it seems to be clear, cleared up at this point uh, with all his interviews. And, and a lot of people and teams have done their due diligence on him and think he's worthy of the pick. And Elijah Vera Tucker and Jenkins will be available, I think, for the Raiders. But I'll go with uh, Tevin Jenkins to be probably the logical pick at 17 overall if Parsons is gone. So that's where I stand. Where do you stand? 702-365-9200. The only thing that I would be really disappointed in is if they traded back. Because if they traded back, it'd be tough for me to tell you that's a good thing. Because the Raiders aren't a playoff team. And if they're trading back, it makes me think that they're looking more next year than this year. By trading back, that means that they need that extra pick. They want that extra pick because they think they have more holes and it's going to take another year or two of drafting to get it right. I'd rather see them trade up or stand pat and get a really good pick and not trade back so that player can help them get to the playoffs this year. I mean, that's all it is. It's about them getting to the playoffs this year and how they're going to do it. The other big backstory seems to be the 49ers. Man, they are drama kings and queens coming into this. I mean, the Niners are trying to steal the headline because they got the third pick, and we were all led to believe it would be Mac Jones. But now we're hearing it could be possibly Trey Lance, the quarterback out of North Dakota State. Either way, let the quarterbacks go. The more quarterbacks that go early, the better for the Raiders at 17. As I've told you for well over a month, this is not the Raiders picking at 17. This is the Raiders picking at 7. Because Lawrence, Wilson, Justin Fields, Kyle Pitt, Penny Sewell, Jamar Chase, Rashawn Slater, most likely Mac Jones, all will be gone, and Patrick Sertain at number 10. Then we reset the board at number 11, and Mayock now has to be laser-focused to go get the player he wants. If I missed anything, please let me know what I missed. And we're excited to host the draft tomorrow from the facility over in Henderson. I almost said Alameda over in Henderson and have a really big show tomorrow with all of our listeners out there. But today I want the pick because when I'm on the air tomorrow with Lincoln and those guys, I want to say, you know, Raider fans called into my show and they had this pick. They were telling me this yesterday. And I want to know where the Raider Nation lives with this pick. Plus, there's a lot happening in town. Uh, Vegas is fantastic for throwing draft parties. And next year, we'll have the biggest party in the history of the NFL. The biggest party in the history of the NFL will not be a Super Bowl. It will be the NFL draft where a million people will be on Las Vegas Boulevard. So that countdown begins. So I'm super excited about all that. I can't tell you how excited I am for the hockey game tonight. Colorado and the Golden Knights. If the Golden Knights win and go up by six points, it's pretty much theirs to win the President's Trophy, to be the number one seed and to have home ice in the West. This is one of the biggest regular season hockey games in Golden Knights history. Colorado's very good. Vegas gets them at home. Vegas has been rested. They've had several days off, and they understand what's on the line. Typically, some teams don't like to win the President's Trophy. They don't touch it. They think it's bad luck. The hell with that. Vegas is a brand new, brand new franchise. They want the President's Trophy in their trophy case. They want that banner going up at T-Mobile so we can see it the rest of our lives. President's Trophy winner. So we should all get behind this hockey game tonight. Head on out to a PT's 
and they'll have it on tonight. Tonight is a great night. If I didn't have to work my late show, I'd have my JT the Brick sweater on, and I'd be somewhere partying at a PT's watching this hockey game tonight. It's going to be that great. So let's get to the phones and have a big phone day today. I want to hear from everybody here on exactly what's going to happen as we get going. 702-365-9200. Nick in Long Island's always good with Raider knowledge. What do you got, Nick? What's up, JT? How are you? Very uh, good, pumped up. I love, love the draft every year. It's so exciting. doesn't always go our way when you look back on it years later, but it's still something to always be excited about in April. Um, all those guys you just rattled off, I mean, that's the, you're picking at 17. You don't know who's going to be there, so it's so hard to really get behind one guy as if you had a top 10 pick where you kind of have an idea. So any right tackle that you named, I've always wanted a linebacker. I, I've wanted a linebacker since I wanted Miles Jack in 16. 17, I wanted Ruben Spolster. 18, I wanted Rokon Smith. This year, I, the linebacker is tough because we are paying $20 million to three linebackers. So you would hope the guys we have could do, get the job done, but also they didn't show enough last year to make you want to pass on one, say, a guy like Parsons Fold. Let me stop but, you for a second. Let me stop you. The linebackers here aren't good enough, and they haven't been yeah. good enough. Last year, I, I watched every play from these linebackers. Morrow was an upgrade to what we thought he was. Kwiatkowski was good. He was an average player, and Littleton played below almost everybody at his position in the league. This team cannot look anymore and say that these linebackers are going to get the job done. They need a proven commodity to come in from college who's a wrecking ball first-round pick, and that's why I'm going with Micah Parsons. I'm with you on that. The only thing is that Kwiatkowski, they didn't, I don't know if he didn't earn it. They wouldn't put him in on third down. I never understood giving a guy $7 million to be a two-down linebacker, but I digress. New defensive coordinator, we'll see. My pick tomorrow night. Linebacker, Jamin Davis, Kentucky. That's my prediction. All right, that's a good pick. He's, I have him as the third linebacker available. When we look at the linebackers who are available, you know, it, it goes about four or five deep when it comes to high picks. When it comes to high picks, Micah Parsons is the highest graded one. Zayvon Collins is really good. Jabril Cox out of LSU is another guy that I think could play at a very high level. Uh, Monty Rice out of Georgia. He's not a first-round pick, but someone I think the Raiders can get a little bit later on. What I think everybody needs to understand now at the linebacker position, do you want an edge rusher linebacker like Khalil Mack, or do you want a linebacker who can tackle in the middle of the field? I think it's time for the Raiders. They got edge rushers now. Come on. Come on. They got Mad Max Crosby. They have Yannick Ngakwe. They have edge rushers. How would you like to have a little bit of that Carl Nassib money back? Huh? That could pay and fund the party next year, what Carl Nassib got. Okay, there's been, a, there's been enough edge rushers brought into the building now that they should be able to get around the edge. I want to see, see a linebacker who is ready to tackle in the middle of the field. Where the hell are the calls? One today? I would have took the day off and prepped for the show tomorrow. Let's wake up, everybody. Let's get the Raider Nation going on the Raiders app. Bobby, check make sure we're on the app today and people can hear us everywhere. Now, I didn't come in here to do a half-assed radio show. I'm ready to roll. Biggest show of the year is tomorrow until the schedule comes out, which is one of my favorite shows. Ken Herrock is going to talk to us coming up here in a little bit, 702-365-9200. Edge rushing linebacker or middle linebacker in the middle of the field who can control the pace of the game by being a badass. And then when it comes to these offensive linemen, you're not going to get Penesul. I don't think Rashawn Slater is going to be available. 
Then it comes down to Christian Darashaw, who I think will go to the Chargers at 13. And then Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. Man, I put a lot of time into watching him and to see the film and to see the tape on him and to look at what's been posted, everything on YouTube, everything on social media. He looks like he could be the pick. Even my my son, who's 17 years old, a senior at Bishop Gorman, gave me his mock draft today. I told my wife, man, his penmanship is perfect. Perfect. And he gave me his draft, and I love it. And I agree with it, a lot of it. But he has the Raiders. <laughs> my son has the Raiders at 17, taking Jenkins, the tackle out of OSU. So that's what we're trying to do today, trying to get your pick. And let's get it rolling, 702 365 9,200 in Vegas. If you nail the pick, uh, Bobby's writing down the picks, and we'll give you a $50 Grimaldi's gift card. Grimaldi's, the best pizza I've ever had. Five locations here in the Valley. You can get the Brooklyn Bridge, the Caesar salads, the desserts are unbelievable. Every time I send someone to Grimaldi's, they thank me, especially if I give them the famous $50 gift card. Raider 914, right here on Raider Nation Radio. What's happening? going on, JT? I'm pumped for tomorrow. Excellent. What do you think is going to happen? Hello? What a garbage start to this show. There we go. He's gone. He's pumped for tomorrow, and he's gone. Let me take a break. I need one badly. And when I come back, I'll get into the experts who will join me the rest of the show. Sit back and listen, everybody. I got this thing covered. Brian Billick's going to join us, the former head coach who won a Super Bowl for the Ravens, Jim Mora Jr. And Ken Herrock will join us, former tight end, 1967 AFL champion, and a great player personnel mind, along with Ron Wolf and Al Davis. We'll talk to him about his history of selecting and helping build and bridge the Raiders to a championship organization. You're trying to set yourself up for in the draft so that you can uh, you can pl- take the best player you can take, and uh, we're very aware of our needs. And uh, obviously, when the needs fit up with where you are in the draft board, that's awesome. And when they don't, you got to be a little careful. Mike Mayock, there he is, getting ready for a big night tomorrow night. JT, back with you. Brought to you by Remy Martin, team up for excellence. Remy Martin has big, big global news pending with a major, major hip-hop and recording artist who's going to have a residency here in Vegas, if you didn't hear about it, and will be joining us on our show. And that'll be coming up soon. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. We appreciate that. Really excited about that news. Ken Herrock, former tight end, world champion for the Raiders, and one of the best personnel minds will join us here in a little bit as we're looking for your pick at number 17 in the first round in the draft. We go up to Palo Alto. Dylan, thanks for waiting. You're up next. Go ahead. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, check this out, man. The Raiders have too many draft picks in this draft to bring on all those guys. Um, so I think they're going to be trading up. Um, possibly back into the first round would be nice. Um I don't think Parsons is going to be there for us, but uh, some guys I like, Jenkins. I like Jenkins better than Derisaw. Um, I think he's just more tougher. I like his attitude. 
Um, I'd be happy with Quiddy Pay, you know, another edge rusher, um, even Christian Barmore. I think you can't uh, overlook uh, guys that can really push that pocket from 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 the middle, you know. So uh, yeah, Barmore, that's, but that's an interesting pick because I think he'd be available. But the Raiders, well, the, the on, signs yeah. they just brought in so many defensive tackles in the off season. They got like nine defensive tackles, defensive linemen. I don't know if they want to go down that road per se. But I like what you said about Quiddy Pay. I mean, Quiddy Pay right. could drop. I've got him in some mock drafts going 13, 14, and others going 24, 25. You bring him in from Michigan and just throw him out on the field. That's a guy you keep on the field for three downs if you're not able to get Micah Parsons. I love that pick. For sure, for sure. Even uh, the guy from Notre Dame, I think, would fit really well. Uh, you know, maybe even better than Parsons. So um, those are my picks. Uh, like I said, uh, I, I really don't know how they feel about Brandon Parker either. You know, that's that's what's so intriguing about this draft is you really don't know what they're thinking and how they feel about the guys they got. But I'm excited, and the Raiders are going to the playoffs, JT. So Thank you. Thank you, my yeah. friend. Thanks for calling up north. We appreciate it. Ken Herrock, kind enough to join us, an AFL champion, a AFL-NFL champion when it came to what happened in 1967, one of the great Raider teams of all time. He was their tight end and then went on to be one of the great talent evaluators in Raider history. Ken, good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on, especially ahead of the draft. How are you? Thank you, JT. Glad to be on here. Let's jump in. Before we get to your career as an evaluator and in personnel, man, that was one hell of a team you played on when you came to the Raiders from 1963 to 67. What was it like for you being around so much talent at that time on both sides of the ball and the team being led in the Al Davis era beginning? Well, it's really uh, intriguing in those days, uh, JT. We only had 33 guys on a roster, which made it really tough to make the team, first of all. And uh, uh, Al Davis put that, that team together with five five assistant coaches. That's all he had. Now in the league you go through, you have 25 assistants. And to put together a team like he did and build that team into that franchise and build it what it is today, it's just remarkable. And uh, – I, like I said, I owe, I owe everything to him because he gave me an opportunity to, to play and start for him, uh, gave me an opportunity to come back to the front office and contribute to the Raiders, and I owe him, uh, his wife Caroli and Mark, uh, just about everything that I've ever done in my life uh, has been uh, uh, you know, probably because of what they did for me. Nicely said. As a tight end, you were a hell of a blocker, you know, before you even came to the Raiders, but was that a key to you? being on this roster and being successful because the offensive line was so good that you guys were so prepped up in run blocking, pass protection. Obviously, you were running routes, but how much did you learn from those great offensive linemen who lined up next to you? Well, I can, I can read them all off. Uh, the guys that played on that team, Art Shell, Gene Upshaw, Jim Otto. These are Hall of Fame players. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're looking at Hall of Fame and you're thinking, at the time, you're playing with, hey, they're good players. They're really good. We dominate. We'll win. They were a Hall of Fame players. You don't realize it at the time until like, as you go on later in life. Ken Herrock is our guest. So, Ken, after you were done with the Raiders, Cincinnati, the Patriots, you come back to the Raiders. I really am fascinated on what Mr. Davis, and when you talk about your connection with Ron Wolf, what did they see from you as a player 
that they knew you would be great when it came to being inside the building as a talent evaluator? Did Was that something you brought to them and told them you were interested in? Or did they see that in you and bring you in saying, we need more from you? Well, they, they may have seen it in me, but I always uh, attributed my, my success to five keys. Number one, I was always a pretty tough physical player. I was smart. I worked hard. I was a good guy. And I really loved the game. And I think they, they recognized those uh, those uh, traits in me, and that's why they probably brought me along. What did you learn early on as a talent evaluator from your mentors around you? What was key? Because now guys are getting out on the road. I talk to Gil Brandt all the time. And, and Gil, when he was starting to come up with the computer models later on and getting on the road to the small black colleges, which Mr. Davis was famous for, what was your specialty early on as an evaluator? Well, as an evaluator, you have to go back to those days in 1970. Evaluations are quite different than they are today. Yeah. In those days, we didn't bring a player in. We didn't test them. I'm, uh, it, it, there was only me and Ron Wolf scouting at that time. And prior to me, it was only Ron Wolf. And uh, I can remember my first year. I have everything east of the Mississippi. I'm going to Ohio State. We're drafting Jack Tatum. And I'm going... We never timed him. We never met him. All I knew is when I went there, he was a damn good football player, and he could run. They said the fastest guy on the team. Then I go to Bowling Green, Phil Villapiano. I'm thinking, wow, Phil Villapiano is a really good player. And I knew, the, I knew the head coach. He became the head coach at West Virginia University, my alma mater. And so uh, those, are, those are the way we did it. It wasn't like all the stuff that they're doing today. And uh, you had to have a feel. You had to, you had to recognize talent. You learned that talent from – being around Mr. Davis, watching films, watching tape, looking for traits at all the different positions. And he taught you that. He made sure you saw it. Did you, he would always say, did you see that? Did you see that? And when you saw that, you knew that was a trait you're looking for in whatever position we were uh, discussing. Ken Herrock is our guest, legendary Raider player and talent evaluator with Mr. Davis and Ron Wolf. So, this is fascinating to me. So you're packing to go on the road. You're traveling. You're by yourself. You don't have a staff of three or four other guys. And that's incredible, the knowledge you were able to bring back, back to Oakland at that time and, and stay stay focused on your job and then have to catch a plane and go back to the other side of the country. How demanding were those years for you? Because the pressure must have been on. Mr. Davis always wanted the right players, he was demanding, he expected you to get it right. How did you handle that pressure? Well, I, I never considered it pressure. I felt like if I knew my job, I could have to do it whatever I had to do. I, I never considered it pressure. I just wanted to make sure I was doing it right. Uh, I, I can remember going, hey, you have me a, a, a notebook, a black notebook. Hey, go find me some players. Didn't really tell me how to do it until I got back into the organization showing me what to do. And, uh, uh, he expected you to know every height, weight, speed of any player. Don't look at a note. Don't look at your sheet. It's in your head. And Ron, Ron had a photographic mind, so he was able to do that. And I'm thinking to myself, the guy's got a photographic mind. This guy knows he wants to know everything. How am I going to do this? But I did it. I was able to, I don't think I had a photographic mind, but I, I knew what. I knew every height, weight, speed, and everything you had to know. And I can just tell you one little incident that happened to me when I was with the Raiders. It really shows uh, – how Mr. Davis was demanding. I was coaching at the time during a preseason with John Madden. I was coaching special teams at tight end. And I, I really did a good job. My first preseason game of coaching, I had all the special teams going. No mistakes, no errors, no nothing. I had this big sheet in front of me. Who's the, who's the third wing? Who's the third fullback? Who's this? Who's that? 
I come into the locker room, and I'm up there, and Mr. Davis goes, hey, you. Whenever you heard, hey, you, that meant trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so I was go, uh-oh, what did I do? He says, hey, you, come here. I said, I don't ever want to see that sheet again on that field. You put it all up in your head. And that's the way he was. He wanted it up in your head. He didn't want you to look at some notes, some things, to bring something back. He wanted you to know it and be, be, be perfect in what you were doing. That was, that, that was demanding. That was probably one of the most demanding parts of the job. Ken Herrock joins us. Sure you know- I do what all the height, weight, speed, and how, you know, how, I, how I evaluate them compared to the other guys and so forth. You know, Ken, I've talked to so many people over the years who have been coaches in that war room with Mr. Davis when it comes to the draft, and they say the same thing. Head up, no notes, and know what you got when he calls on you. I mean, is there anything more unique unique in your career than being in a draft day war room with Al Davis? Because we don't see owners like that anymore. There's no owners other than Jerry Jones. And Jerry Jones was never the evaluator that you were or Mr. Davis or Ron Wolf. So did you feel like on draft day, when you had to make decisions, you had to have it all locked in and you better have your answer if you were called on. And there weren't many guys in the room, as you said, much less individuals in the room than we see today where it's standing room only. Yeah. Well, all I know is that when it came, when it came to taking a pick and he had a couple of guys up there, Mr. Davis was demanding, you better make sure you were going to make yeah. the right pick. Because if you didn't, you'd hear about it in about six months or eight months later. And he would oh, let I'm, you know. And, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 I got my ass chewed out a few times. And uh, uh, I'm sure Ron did too. But uh, uh, we were always uh, always there to try to pick the right player. And he was always there. And what, what you respected about him was he did the work. He just wasn't sitting in a room throwing out names. He did the work. He did the grinding. He did the film. He went to the All-Star game. And later on, he went to the Combine. He did the work. And that's what you respected. And he knew what he was looking for. And he tried to relay that information of what he was looking for to the people who were working for him. Ken Herrock is our guest. Hey, I, I found out that you came back to the Raiders for a while just before Mr. Davis passed away. You helped revamp the video department. And you've always been welcome around the organization. What's that like when you feel like you're still family? You can come in, you can give your opinion, especially back then when the organization really needed you as they were kind of modernizing and trying to upgrade. Well, uh, after Mr. Davis passed, Mark asked me to come in and help him. I came in and, and offered some advice. I re- evaluated all the departments, gave my uh, opinion what what has to be done. Uh, and, and, and all the departments and all the scouting, everything from that standpoint. And, uh, uh, you know, recommended Reggie McKenzie at that time. Mm-hmm. And I think Reggie would, did a good good job while he was there. And uh, uh, that's how I helped Mark get through that transition period after that, after he passed. Ken, as we wrap it up, once a Raider, always a Raider, what does it mean to you when you're called an Oakland Raider? And now a Las Vegas Raider. What does the organization mean to you today? It means it means a tremendous amount to me. To give you an idea, I was in Pittsburgh this weekend after I went to West Virginia for the spring game, and I was with my friends, uh, high school friends. I mean, we're all old. There's eight of them, and that's about ten. You know what I brought them? Raider T-shirts in <laughs> Pittsburgh. <laughs> that's that's what it means to me. 
That is awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. I mean, I look at your career, and it's such a brilliant career, but I, I'm thrilled that the alumni department was so smart to have you on the week of the draft. Final question. They're picking at 17. I know you don't know every one of the players on the board, but you watch all the Raider games from last year. It really seems like they got to improve that defense, and they got to they got to get a right tackle. What's it like being in the war room when you have half the side wanting that right tackle and the other side and the defensive coaches wanting that linebacker? What's the push and pull like? Well, it's, it's, it's simple. It's going to come down who's the best player at that 17th pick, you see. Yeah. They're going to have a shot. They're going to have a shot, a legitimately shot. So first of all, there's going to be some other good players there that they're going to have to pass on because they got to, they got to go for a need more, more so because there, there's, a, there's a damn good running back going to be sitting there because I work with these kids. I work with the top kids in the draft. About seventy-five of them preparing for interviews and so forth. Najee Harris is, 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 you know, they love Josh Jacobs there. This guy's a cut above them. You go to the receivers. Wow. You got you got Chase from LSU. You got Waddell from Alabama. I did those kids. I know those kids, and they're way better than anything they have. But then they're going to take that position because they got players at that position. So now they got to go to the offensive line. The top guys, Penny Sewell is going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to come down to a tackle. The only tackle that I see that, that could be there this morning to be half decent is, is, is uh, the Christian uh, uh, Darashaw kid. From, yeah, Darashaw. Uh, I like Slater, but he's more of a guard. Shorter arms. Mm-hmm. He's built like a guard. Tucker, the guy from SV, he plays tackle, but I think he's more of a guard. So you're, you're getting back into that guard position. So where it's going to go to, really, it's going to come down to these defensive linemen and, and, and linebackers. I like Mark Lepaugh. Uh, Michael Parsons, if he's there, that's a steal. I got, I got uh, Xavier Collins. That's my sleeper. I worked with that kid. So, so sharp, smart, like a coach on a board. Uh, it, it'd be a great pick for them there. Aziz Aguilar, the kid from Georgia right here, I, I've mm-hmm. seen him play for two years. Uh, he would be a good pass rusher, edge rusher, a lot, a lot like similarities to, to Mac, possibly. Um, so that's where they're going to go. Uh, you know, they got a guy like Quiddy Pay at Michigan. He's a decent player. Uh, there's a hit or, hit, hit or miss kid down in Miami. Yeah, Phillips and uh, Rousseau. Rousseau and Phillips. Now, those kids are, uh, I think Phillips is more talented uh, from a testing standpoint, and, but they're both big kids. I mean, they're, they're the kind of guys you look for to play. They're 6'5", six, six, I mean, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and, you know, they can run. They're, they're, they're tremendous athletes, particularly Phillips. And those those guys... They haven't performed as well, but mm-hmm. they have all the attributes to come in there and, and, and be right. better than anything that the Raiders have. That's for sure. Uh, uh, there's another kid up in Penn State. I like. I like this Oway kid. I like. I think he's mm-hmm. going to have a chance to be an edge rusher also. So they got they well, got thank- a good choice uh, of defensive linemen. Yeah, they do. They can work more so than I am. I- no, you got a lot of information. <laughs> you got a lot of information. I wish oh, you know, I, I, I could. I, I, I could. Go ahead. I, 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 I do this all year. I can I tell. my interest in this. For, for the last 20 years since I've been retired, I've been working with the top players in the draft. And I, I prepare them for interviews. I've been doing that for, for 21 years now since I retired. And then I, my son worked for Green Bay, worked yes. for the Raiders. which they should have kept him, he should have been the, the general manager there as far as I'm concerned. But that's, that's water over the dam. He's in Cleveland now. Helped build a good team there. So, mm-hmm. uh uh, I, I stay active in, in this. I know all the players. I, 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 I'm able to watch film on them. I watch games on them. Um, mm-hmm. 
I say put you know I, I say pretty much up on all the players. I go through go down to all these damn players. I know just about all of them. Well, thanks, Ken. A lot of detail in this interview. You were valuable with your time, and uh, we'll get John to recap this draft once it settles. Thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate your time. Thanks, JT. Appreciate it. Like, go you Raiders. Got it. You got it, Ken. Ken Herrock, Raider legend, part of the 1967 AFL championship team that played in Super Bowl two. And how about the information at the end? Oh, my God. I had no idea. I didn't know he was that active with the draft. I could have pivoted the interview in another direction about all the players that the Raiders could have took. I just wanted to talk about his history with Al Davis as a legend. Man, does he have knowledge. All right, we're a little bit late. When we come back, uh, Brian Billick supposed to join us. Also, we'll talk to Jim Mora Jr. as we continue on. And more with the pick at number 17. Brought to you by Sam and Ash. Go to SamAndAshLaw.com. If you get into an accident, one group, one personal attorney, it's Sam and Ash. SamAndAshLaw.com, 702-820-1234. Tomorrow from 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock with the draft along with Lincoln Kennedy and Eric Allen. I'm excited and energized by what our offensive line room is starting to look like. And I'm excited and energized because I think Tom Cable feels the same way. So we have all the respect in the world for Rodney and Gabe and and Trent. But at this point, you know, we made a conscious decision to try to get younger, maybe a little bit more athletic, and let's go. And I can't wait to see how we react. Yeah, brought to you by Ihole, our new award-winning premium tequila and pete rose will join us at the top of the hour the all-time hit king with his kentucky derby pick you don't want to miss that thanks to ken herrock and now we go from one evaluator to another guy who evaluates talent he's a super bowl champion the nfl network frequent contributed to my shows brian billick kind enough to join us coach thanks for a few minutes and i'll jump right in with these quarterbacks potentially a great quarterback class or do you think there's a lot of teams reaching early to get these QBs? Well, it's a good, solid class. Now, whether it's a great class or not, we, we, we don't know. You know, the history books are replete with first-round draft choices that didn't make it. It's a 50-50 proposition at best. When I wrote the book, <clears throat> The Q Factor, it was around the 2018 draft, same caliber of quarterbacks and same diversity of talent in terms of athleticism, big school, small school, different levels of experience. And that one held true to form, and about half the guys were good, and the other half weren't. So, yeah, there's no reason these guys shouldn't be good. Uh, but, of course, there was no reason that uh, Vince Young and Jamarcus Russell and Joey Harrington and Achilles Smith and the list goes on and on of guys that weren't. Uh, when you look at a couple of these quarterbacks, i got to ask you about Zach Wilson first off. Undersized, but we're used to undersized quarterbacks now being super successful with Russell Wilson and Drew Brees. The twitch factor, the way the ball comes out quickly, mobility. Were you surprised that the Jets seemed to be completely sold on him compared to Fields and Lance, who might go behind him? Well, you know, it's beauty in the eye. Now, I, I, he's not – I mean, the kid's 6'3", so he's got some pretty good size. Um, he's a good athlete. Um, but, yeah, as you compare him to guys like Justin Fields and, and, and Trey Lance, who are very, very athletic, much more athletic on the outside – of course, then you have Mark Jones, but the hard part in evaluating Matt, uh, Mac Jones, excuse me, 
is, you know, this is a guy that really only had the one year that sits behind the best offensive line in college football, throwing to the best tandem of receivers in college football, and arguably handing off the best running back in college football. So it's hard to recognize just exactly where Matt Jones fits into that equation. Brian Billick is our guest. A coach dating back with Bill Walsh and your years of being in war rooms or being in the meetings heading into the draft. What was the favorite part that you liked about it before you became a head coach? And even when you were a head coach with Ozzy and all these great staffs, was it the evaluation process, the meetings, breaking down tape? What was your strength? What would you say? Well, I was with a phenomenal group with Ozzy Newsom and at the time Phil Savage, Eric DeCosta. They did such a great job, and it was a very collaborative effort with the with the scouts and the coaches. And Ozzy is should be in the Hall of Fame as a general manager as well as a player. He's just done an unbelievable job. He's a great listener, and and that's his strength in that he takes in all the information. Eventually, obviously, he has to make the call. Now, Eric DeCosta is in that role. Uh, but they do a great job of gathering all the information. It's always great to, to bring talent into the organization. It is, it's mind-numbing in terms of the attention to detail and the readings and all the players you have to go through. Uh, they're ready to go. They're ready to get this thing kicked off uh, on Thursday and get through the weekend and see what, what athletes they're going to add to it. Well, what do you think, Coach, of this 49er process of potentially initially liking Mac Jones but then – fallen in love with Trey Lance you at NFL Network I know this has been a big debate topic on all the shows about why the Niners are making so much noise after trading up they're going to take the guy they want but it seems like almost like they want to trade into the top three again now that they're there I'm a little bit confused by why the Niners are either hesitating or is it just a smokescreen and you think they have their guy well, I don't. Yeah, I don't think the Niners are hesitating. I think it's all the talking heads around it. I mean, mm-hmm. They know what they're. They know exactly what they're going to do. Um, the, the the question mark is we don't. So there's all this different speculation, and uh, they know exactly what they want to do, uh, and they'll make their evaluations. Obviously, whether it's a Mac Jones or a Trey Lance, and those are different choices. And 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 like I said, we'll we'll find out right now to say one one's a good pick and the other's not. We just don't know. Uh, 50% of these guys are going to fail. We just don't know what 50%. Brian Billick is our guest. Coach, can you take us behind the scenes what it was like for you when you saw a brilliant offensive lineman available, but a lot of people in the room wanted the flashy receiver or the special player or the edge rusher because this, these first 20 picks, this four tackles that are really good to go that could protect these young quarterbacks for years to come. What's that process like? Yeah, you're always thrilled to add good talent, but you're right. You know, you know, very few people wake up on draft day excited about, oh boy, I hope we draft a guard. You know, that's just not the case. Yeah. You know, everybody wants the, the receiver, the DB, the edge rusher, the tight end. But you're right. Um, with all these quarterbacks going on early, there's going to be some good talent being pushed back uh, into some really good spots, and and the offensive line is a strong one. There's a lot of edge rushers, but it's not a great edge rush draft. They're solid players, maybe not great flashy players, but these offensive linemen, the, the Slater from Northwestern and Sewell from Oregon, uh, the guard, uh, Vieira Turner, who could also play tackle at USC, and I love uh, uh, Christian Dereshoff from Virginia Tech. So there are four really good offensive linemen that people are going to be excited to have. 
Wrapping it up with Brian Billick. Uh, Coach, you got a good story about a trade with you back in the day? Were you a guy with Ozzy when you talked about this that wanted to go up and trade because you had to get a player? Or were you someone said, hey, let's wait for that player to come to our board, fall to us, and take the best available player? Can you share a story from back in the day? Yeah, we, we weren't one to really move up and, and spend the collateral to do that. We tended to want to fall back. But I remember when we uh, got Terrell Suggs, uh, that was a time yeah. when we thought Terrell was a top five pick. There's no way we're going to get him. And when we read it, it you know, he only spent so much time on it because there's no question we take him, but there's no way he's going to make it back to where we were. But that was at the time when Byron Lefkowitz and, and uh, Kyle Bowler and the quarterbacks were coming out and there was some movement and we – we were trying to make a, a trade with Jacksonville uh, or uh, uh, to move up or with Minnesota to move up to get the quarterback, uh, uh, Byron Leftwich. Jacksonville was trying to do the same. It got screwed up. The cards got turned in, but it wasn't communicated. And all of a sudden it fell apart, and, and Jacksonville got it, took Leftwich. Minnesota missed their pick, and all of a sudden we're sitting there with, with Terrell Suggs, a guy we had no idea would be sitting there at 10, uh, and when the dust settled, it was kind of a whirlwind of, my God, we just kind of fell into what we thought was one of the best Ed Rutgers to come around in a long time. It's a great story. He turned out to be one of the best players of his era. Hey, Coach, last one. I wanted to ask you quickly here, when I, when I look at this draft and all the coaches and the GMs and the process now, I'm thinking about Tampa Bay. Uh, with the re-signing of Antonio Brown, this is the first team ever, ever in the modern era to bring every single player head coach, positional coach back. It's never been done before. How amazing of a feat is that? It is, and they've done a hell of a job in doing it. It's hard holding a team together after a championship like that. Everybody wants to yeah. get paid. But, uh, yeah, they, they and their, their cap and their administration have done a hell of a job. Uh, I did a, a podcast with Bruce Arians the other day, and, and they're very focused on, you know, you made it clear to these guys, look, that other group won a Super Bowl. You haven't done squat yet. And that's the mentality you have to have. We've got to do it all again. But we've got the guys to do it, and we've got all the guys that know what it takes to get there. So it's a tremendous strength for them. Clearly going to be the favorite to go back to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. How's your shoulder pad business doing? I always love to plug it. I know it just gets bigger and bigger every year. Tell everybody where they can pick it up. Yeah, we're excited about it. We're uh, number one pad in the NFL, number one pad in college football. We're becoming the number one pad in, in major programs in uh, in high school as well. And it's, it's been fun to watch the parents get vested in it. Big programs like De La Salle and Modern Day in California, South Lake Carroll in Texas, Bishop Gorman there in, in, in uh, uh, Vegas uh, are all replete with X-Tech pads because this is the pad our young people ought to be in. And parents are becoming aware of it. Uh, they're vested in the process. They're making sure that their kids have the best equipment, the best, tra- the best training, and that means X-Tech pads. They need to go to xtechpads.com. My oldest son played four years with Bishop Gorman. It was the best four years of his life. So thanks for that plug there on the end, Coach. Uh, Appreciate it. Enjoy the draft. Thanks for the time. Sounds great. Thanks, Coach. Brian Billick, fantastic that we can get him on right before the draft with all of our insiders there. And, again, I think he's wrong on the height. I know he's wrong on the height of uh, Zach Wilson, but he's going number two to the Jets. That seems to be a lock. I, I think Trevor Lawrence is the only one who should be a lock in this draft. But the quarterback mystery and what's going to happen in the first round makes this one of the most intriguing drafts in a decade. The all-time hit king, Pete Rose. He has a Kentucky Derby pick coming up next. Do not miss it.